You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at provisions or discover them online at billyreed.com that's billyreed r-e-i-d.com Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast from MLB.com, virtually alongside my partner, director of Braves alumni relations and former Braves pitcher, Greg McMichael. And Greg, you know, our podcast in the basically two years we've been doing that now, which we're coming up on our two year anniversary. I think that's uh, in September. But um in the two years we've been doing this, I've been very proud of the wide range of guests because we're we're a pod, we're an official podcast of a baseball team, but I feel like we found ways of talking to people that have ties to the Braves from all walks of life, be it current former current and former players, uh, current and former coaches, front office staff. But then we've also gotten folks from the business side of things. We've gotten uh, celebrities who are fans of the team. We've had great stories like, you know, Katie Hearn telling her story. Um, And this today, I feel like, is a new extension, a new avenue that we have here with uh, Dr. Scott Bowden from Emory. Um, Having him on to talk about Emory's relationship with the Braves. This This was a really cool... <clears throat> a really cool conversation we had with, with uh, Dr. Scott Bowden. Yeah, it is amazing how it how many people it takes to run this organization. But if you just narrowed it down to what what the kind of people you have to have surrounding the team, it's really interesting. Of course, being a former player, I saw firsthand all the different things that have to happen between clubhouse staff and doctors and and, uh, you know, of course, people see the grounds crew, but then there's equipment managers and there's people that are in charge of travel. You know, Bill Akery was our traveling secretary for a long time. And and um, and so all the work that he did, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts that go on. Of course, now at this day and age with with the coronavirus, a lot of the medical stuff has come to the forefront on how do we keep players safe? But then you extract that segment and just think about just the normal injuries of hamstrings and, and knees and all the joints. And, uh, you know, it goes down to eye doctors. I mean, we had guys that would, you think as a hitter, how important it is to see the 
seams on a baseball to be able to identify whether it's a curve or slider. We would have doctors, massage therapists, chiropractors. I mean, there's just all these different people that go into making these guys the best they can be and getting them on the field day in and day out. It is a really a huge group of people. And of course, getting to talk with Scott today about uh, his role and what Emory's doing uh, is really fascinating in light of everything that's happening. And I'll tell you what, we live in a dynamic city that's phenomenal. All this, all the people here that are involved in, in our role nationally as a city is really, really important. And obviously Emory is part of that. Absolutely. And Scott is an accomplished, quite an accomplished man. I mean, he, he gets into his, his responsibilities with Emory and the Braves in the interview. Uh, but I just, I mean, I just did a super simple Google search and the list of awards, it's like you have to keep scrolling. They don't all fit in one page. Like it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, the career that he's had and, uh, you know, we're lucky to have, have somebody like him and Emory partner with us. And, I'll tell you, to hear his description of how they've had to treat uh, just not just the Braves, but just things in general this year, how things changed for them in the healthcare world in, in March of this year. Uh, his, his, his description of that, you'll hear what you'll hear is uh, pretty, pretty good. Pretty interesting yeah. how he puts it. So, um, well, I would imagine that it's very helpful to have the CDC here right there next to the Emory campus and how they can work and work with them to help, you know, be a, a, an influence on what happens nationally. I mean, obviously that's a big deal um, with where they are in Emory. And of course, you know, you got the university and the healthcare systems and you got the medical school, you got all these different things there and they've got their hand in a lot of things, but we're, we're, we're very thankful to have those guys a part of our organization and helping them keeping our guys as safe as possible. Absolutely. Well, I, uh, I certainly didn't go to medical school. It took me long enough to finish regular school. So uh, I went, I think I went to college enough years, the same number of years it takes you to get maybe all those degrees, but they just gave me one degree. So instead of me trying to, <laughs> I can see you, what do you want to say there? I see something on the, on the, you're done. Well, I was just laughing because my brother is a doctor and I start giving him advice sometimes and he has to say, now, you know, you're not a doctor. <laughs> I was just going to say, sometimes I know enough about a lot of things to be ultra dangerous. So my brother has to kindly remind me that I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> that He's the doctor. And, that, you know, I was just laughing because, you know, just what you were saying just kind of reminded me of some of the conversations when I start trying to, tell my brother who's a doctor about things that I know nothing about. Yeah. If I, if anybody like asked me to describe myself and like my knowledge just on anything in life and the world and life and world in general, uh, it would be, I don't know a lot about anything, but I know a little about a lot of things. So that's pretty much fortunately for us, uh, Dr. Bowden, I think knows a lot about a lot of things. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. Okay, well, before let's let's let Bubba and Harry stop talking here, and uh, let's get to the good doctor. Here he is, Doctor Scott Bowden. Thank 
Well, hey, Scott, um, appreciate you being on Behind the Braves. We've been wanting to have you on for a while, and, and so now seems to be the right time for us. And uh, we just we appreciate Emory. Emory's the official team healthcare provider, and we appreciate everything that you guys do to help our, our team stay healthy. And um, I, we've got a little bit of history together uh, from the standpoint that I worked for Emory. Uh, my a uh, good friend of mine played in the minor leagues together. Mike Twardowski is the head baseball coach and has been there for a long time at Emory. And we, uh, we, he asked me about, I don't know, maybe eight years ago to come out and start working with some of the pitchers. So for about four years, I was, I was coaching up some of your young pitchers over there. Of course, that's at the university. And I know there's a big campus with the university and the healthcare system and all that and the school. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I, um, I'd love to know exactly where Emory's fit into this whole, you know, are they leading the charge and, and what they're trying to do from a healthcare standpoint with the coronavirus and uh, are they doing anything with the vaccine and all that kind of stuff? Can you give us a little bit of overview of kind of where Emory fits in and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, first, let me just sort of tell you what happened to healthcare on March 16th. If you can imagine that you were uh, like running a bank and you were a banker, and it was before there were ATMs. And so the only way you did business with your customers was they came into the branch, they waited online and they made deposits or made withdrawals and stuff like that. And then on a Friday night, they said, by the way, your branches are all closed. And now you have to figure out how to interact with all your customers by Monday morning. Well, that's what happened in healthcare mm. on, on March 16th or 17th when everything shut down, uh, except there were, there were no ATMs. Um, wow. and so we, you know, we were busy just re-engineering. How are we going to be able to take care of patients that have emergent things and urgent things, and even some of those time sensitive elective surgery. So a lot of us were busy sort of re-engineering the entire mechanism of how to take care of people. Um, and you remember, you got people with cancer, you got people that just had surgery. Um, so while all that was going on, we also had a number of people that were busy um, with research related to vaccines and vaccine trials. As you probably know, we had some of the world's experts and was one of the first places in the United States to treat the Ebola patients a number of years ago. And so, you know, we had experience with highly infectious and contagious diseases and it built up a lot of expertise. And you'll notice a lot of our Emory physicians are the ones that you see on the cable news channels that are given the national updates. So we're really fortunate to have some of the country's top experts um, in these sort of issues here at Emory and top researchers. And not only are they working on vaccines and potential treatments for um, coronavirus, the other thing that's been really exciting is our survival results in terms of our ICU and our hospitalizations are, are among the highest in the country and around the world. And so, um, you know, we've been really fortunate with our intensive care unit team and how they've done taking care of the coronavirus patients and something that we're very proud of. And a number of our docs are on the National Advisory Committee. I think we're the only institution with three physicians from the same place on that National Recommendations Committee. So there's a ton of activity and we're, we're lucky as, as citizens of Atlanta to have all of this activity and expertise here at Emory Healthcare related to infectious disease for sure. Well, I know that there's been a number of things I've been proud of of being in Atlanta and, and being uh, in Georgia. You know, we took a lot of heat for opening up and doing some things and especially with, uh, 
you know, and that really relates to baseball and how, you know, we went ahead with the season, even though it was a little bit later than we thought about that, you know, we've been able to maintain the season that's been going on and stayed relatively healthy. And how do you feel like that Major League Baseball is doing as a whole right now with uh, with being able to sustain the season so far? Because we're about halfway through almost. Yeah, I, I think MLB is is doing a good job. I You know, as you know, with any, you know, guidelines, the weak point is – uh, are people going to follow them? And it's usually not, are they going to follow them when they're at the ballpark or practicing? It's going to be what happens when they get home and also what happens with those that they interact with at home and how stringent are they? Because as you know, this, this virus is, is easy to catch. Um, and usually if somebody's going to give it to you, they've given it to you before they know they've had it. And that's mm. the tricky thing. It's not like you got people coughing and sneezing and you say, whoa, stay away from them. Um, you know, people are contagious before they become symptomatic. And that's why this thing sort of spreads so easily. So I think uh, MLB has done a great job. I and mean, we had meetings with the Brave staff and had some input that they took, you know, and went and became, I think, part of the national recommendations. It was funny because um, I was actually very early on. You'll appreciate this uh, as a pitcher. I said, you know, everyone's going to need their own rosin bag. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the Braves were like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, <laughs> I'm telling you, they're going to need their own rosin bag and they're going to have to be the one to take it to and from the mound. And they looked at me sort of laughing. And sure enough, um, if you watch on TV about 50% of the time, the pitcher turns around because they forgot to pick up their rosin bag. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been fun. It's been kind of a, a funny, funny thing watching and then seeing which guys, uh, cause there's some guys that are like, I don't think they've forgotten it once and then there's others that it's like clockwork they get almost to the first baseline and then have to turn around and it's every inning um but so that's been one of the entertaining things to watch well scott i, I wanted to ask back up like on a, a larger scale just how how a little bit about your background and how you came to this connection with the braves through emory and what your responsibilities are as far as um overseeing things emory's emory's role with the braves sure that's a that's a great question so I've been at Emory since 1992. That's about 28 years. And I'm an orthopedic spine surgeon. And I started out uh, building the spine center and then helping to grow the orthopedics and spine center. And uh, and then the orthopedics and spine hospital up in Tucker, which was one of the first uh, orthopedic specialty hospitals really in this part of the country. And then uh, somewhere around 2016 or so, um, I started a conversation actually with uh, the new CEO and owners of the Atlanta Hall. And um, we started to envision the uh, combined uh, Emory Sports Medicine Complex and the Hawks practice facility that we built in Brookhaven that opened a couple years ago. But that um, partnership really involved a real estate acquisition of land that wasn't for sale. It involved uh, factions within Emory University, Emory Healthcare, the Emory Clinic Physicians Group. And uh, it was a rather complicated uh, project that had to happen in a matter of just a couple of months, which on most universities, you know, universities act in uh, denominators of years, not, not weeks or months. Um, and when it was all said and done, sort of putting together that, that special partnership, it made me realize that I had been at Emory long enough that I really, you know, understood how to make Emory simple to the outside entities. Uh, and so then, you know, was sort of given the charge of trying to develop some other strategic partnerships. And I was uh, sitting at a Braves game and I had started to get to know Derek Schiller because I served on the, the advisory board prior to moving over to 
what was SunTrust Park, um, as somebody who was an avid Braves fan, and also I had some uh, regular seats and some premium seats. And so I was on that advisory board. And as I got to know Derek and uh, and John Sherholtz and, and others, um, and started to be helpful in terms of advice for the stadium, at one point, we started to talk about medical care and uh and remind them about emory Healthcare, and so we kind of developed that relationship and uh, one day derek leaned over to me at, at a game and he said uh who was the person that did that hawks thing that's kind of interesting and i said well it was largely me and he said no i mean who really kind of thought of it and did all that detailed business stuff and i said well it was kind of me and um and we started a conversation and uh the next thing you know we uh you know, I went down to spring training and, uh, and we started to talk about, you know, what a real partnership could mean. And, you know, my, my belief in these things is it's very different than a pure sponsorship where it's transactional. Um, and from the beginning, yeah. And, and I think the pandemic has really highlighted that to the Braves, what the difference between a true partnership is and just a transactional sponsorship. Uh, and we very much, you know, enjoy being more in a partnership relationship. So, uh, so I've taken on that role now for not only our professional sports teams um, in Atlanta, but also, you know, other uh, external strategic partners and, and large kind of complicated partnerships has sort of become uh, one of my responsibilities to help with uh, at Emory University and Emory Healthcare. That's awesome. Well, we would be remiss if we didn't ask you since you've been here. Since 1992, you've seen some great Braves teams. What would be your favorite highlight of all those games you've seen over the years? Is there anything that sticks in your mind uh, that's a highlight? I remember uh, one of the highlights I can remember was uh, when Andrew Jones first came up. And uh, I think it was during a Yankee series. And uh, uh, I think he had some uh, early home run uh, to right field in one of his early at bats uh, and played a big role. And uh, that was uh, one memory. But really for, for, um, for me, it's uh, my kids grew up. Uh, we had triplet daughters that were born in 1992. And so the first 14 years of their life, they lived through the, that 14 year period, which was the historic, uh, postseason run um, and basically grew up baseball fans. Uh, interestingly, uh, we have a fourth daughter that's uh, two years younger than the triplets. And uh, two of the four of them actually played baseball on their high school team, not in addition to softball. And two of them were on the USA national team. So baseball has been a, a big part of our family. <clears throat> and actually, when the triplets uh, graduated high school, uh, they got to spend some time with Bobby Cox in his office. And uh, I've got a picture of them with Bobby because uh, the oldest of the triplets um, had a Guinness World Record for fastest baseball pitch by a female. And her photograph was right above Bobby's record for uh, most ejections. And it was the <laughs> 2010 Guinness book. And so she brought him a copy of the book because he, ha I don't think, had it and she signed his book and uh, and he signed her book so uh, somewhere she's got a, a book and I've got a picture and I think in the corner of the picture in his office I actually think was a champagne bottle from the 1995 World Series when I when I nice. magnify it nice well I have to tell you this story I was just with Bobby yesterday uh, Jim Guadagno and I are good friends and Jim was one of the coaches he did all the stats for us back in the 90s and uh, so we got to go over there and visit with uh, Bobby and Pam and um, 
they're doing really well. And it was great to see Bobby. I spent too long before I got to go back over there and see him. And, uh, but, uh, he's doing well and, and it was great uh, visiting with him. So I'll pass it along and tell your girls that, uh, that he's doing well. Oh, good. They'll be, they'll be definitely happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Hey, this has been great catching up with you. I really appreciate you coming on. We, we we're very thankful for Emory and all that they do with the Braves especially you trying to keep our guys healthy. And obviously in a normal year, you have enough work to do, but now with all the stuff that's going on, I know that that's compounded and, and we uh, we're very thankful to have Emory in Atlanta and all the work that you guys do. So we appreciate uh, everything, especially being on here with us today. Well, I appreciate the uh, opportunity. We've got a great team at Emory. There's a, a lot of people that uh, that are behind the scenes helping to keep uh, the Braves healthy, and now this year especially safe. And uh, you know, we're we're honored to uh, to be your partner and have the opportunity to do that. Good deal. All right, Scott. We have a great day. Good seeing you. Thank, Thank you so you much, too, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Take right. care. Our thanks again to Dr. Scott Bowden from Emory for joining us here on Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed. That was a fun conversation with him, and I think that's I think hopefully he's somebody we could uh, maybe have on again sometime in the future. Speaking of the future, uh, we recently had Christian Pache get called up and make his big league debut, had his first stint in the majors. Um, as we are sitting here recording this, Ian Anderson is going to be making his debut pretty shortly. So that leads me into something I wanted to ask you about your big league career. Uh, you know, you were a rookie in 93. So pre, you know, pre-internet days or pre-internet being widely available or most of any of us having it. Um, nowadays, you know, with prospects in particular, it's like we, it's like we know everything about them and they're, and there is video available and there's all these different metrics available and <clears throat> all these different reports and publications. And then there's social media outlets that are dedicated just to following prospects and minor leaguers and that sort of thing. When I was a kid and following you guys and watching you guys, I mean, I got my chop talk magazine delivered to me every month and I would maybe, I remember it was like, I always wanted to get, my parents would get me the USA today, like the, uh, it was a weekly publication by USA Today. It was like Baseball Weekly or something. Baseball America. Yeah, thank you, Baseball America. Yeah. So, and I would get that every week, and I'd look at it and read the stats and all that kind of stuff. But as far as minor leaguers and prospects go, I feel like only – like I remember being a kid before Chipper came up. Like I was familiar with the name Chipper Jones because I'd heard that. Plus, Chipper Jones is kind of a unique name. It's one that sticks sure. to hear it. But for the most part – and granted, I was a kid, but I don't feel like I knew much or – heard much about some of the minor leaguers except for like those at the top how much were you guys especially after you made it to the big leagues how much were you aware of the quote-unquote prospects that could be on the way and and that sort of thing i think we if you went into a big league clubhouse back then there were just stacks of paper that were laid out and it basically what the whole organization did. So you could read about everything that the guy in rookie ball did in the Gulf coast league, uh, in the South Atlantic league, in the Carolina league and Greenville in the South Atlantic or the, uh, the Southern league, all the way up, all the way through, all the way through the organization, you could read whatever you want, what everybody did, what they're hitting. 
so, you know, we, we, sometimes you're just looking for reading material. And I remember very frequently always looking, of course, I went through the Brazier organization and I knew some of the managers down there and I still had friends in the minor leagues who I played against. So I was always interested in what they were doing. Listen, I played so long ago that my laptop weighed four pounds and had a pull cord on it. <laughs> so, uh, I, I get it. And we, in baseball America was great because it told you everything that was going on, especially you could see what your buddies were doing across the leagues. Cause remember I knew everything in the Braves organization, but I had friends that were in the Mariners organization. I had a brother-in-law that was still playing for the Mariners in AAA, And then I had um, friends that were in the twins organization and the pirates organization. So the only way to know what they were doing was to read baseball America. So Baseball America did a great, great job. And I think Jason Stark, who's still a writer, I think he does big league stuff now, but he was a, he was one of the main writers for Baseball America back in the day. And, um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a really good because that's really all we had to go on. Um, you know, it's just like the newspaper. You wake up in the morning, you go downstairs, you get the wall street journal or you got the Atlanta constitution or whatever. And you read uh, your stuff. You couldn't go online to, of course, you know, it'd take you 10 minutes to hear the, <laughs> you know, all that, <laughs> the dial-up. So you might as well be like, I'm tired of this. I'm just going to go down and get a newspaper. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would think in spring training, though, if you if you saw, like, I mean, in 93, if you're at spring training, like, you, I would think you're probably keeping a little extra eye on somebody like Chipper Jones or you, you sure. probably notice him a little bit more. But then I would also think that, like, I, I, I've probably told this, said this before on the podcast, but the first time I ever heard the name Ronald Acuna um, was, I, I, I still can't remember if it was it was 16 or 17, but whichever year it was, one of those two years, um, you know, Chipper Jones usually, Chipper usually goes down to spring training and does a week or two of instruction and, and that kind of deal. And I know the the beat guys, the beat reporters usually like to ask him, you know, give us a name of somebody you saw that uh, maybe had on on the radar that you liked. And he goes, and he said Acuna. He said the the I don't I don't remember the exact quote, but that was the first time I ever heard it or really paid attention to it. Because it's not that I don't look at our our minor league system or the prospects, but in from year to year, there's a lot. And so naturally, or at least me, I gravitate towards. I kind of keep tabs on the top thirty more of the top 10, 15. Um, so maybe, I mean, maybe, you know, I'd probably read his name or, or knew that we drafted him, but that was probably it. But when I really decided it's like, it's time to take, like pay attention was when Chipper said that. So where I'm going with that is Chipper showed up to camp for a week, saw Ronald Acuna as a youngster and said, yeah, he's one to watch, watch him. So did you have some of those experiences too, where maybe a guy who you weren't from very familiar with, you saw him and you went, Oh, okay, this guy, this guy might be a, a legit big leaguer. Yeah, and obviously Mark Wallers comes to mind. He was throwing up a billion miles an hour and big, tall kid, and, um, and he was in – had been up and down, but he just struggled with his control. And so there were several guys like that that, uh, of course, we heard about Clancy. Clancy did – his rookie was 95, so for two years, you know, he's – He's lighting it up with just kind of a real unique delivery. His scout that signed him was the same scout that signed me, uh, Roy Clark. And so there was guys that I heard about. And of course, I, and like I said, I played with a lot of guys. I went all the way through the system. I went all the way through the Indian system, and I went all the way through the, the Brave system. 
And so I was very interested in where my former teammates had gone and what they did, whether it was uh, Albert Bell or, you know, Chuck Nagy, Jeff Mutis. And then with the Braves, it was, um, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but like guys that came up behind me were Ramon Caraballo and, and then played with Eddie Perez and Javi. And they were, they kind of, I jumped ahead because all of a sudden I had a lot of success in double A and triple A. And so I got really a year or two ahead of those guys, but they were still in the minor leagues. So I knew all those prospects, all the guys that ended up being on the 95 and 96 world series teams. uh, I ended up, you know, playing with them. And then of course everybody knew Chipper's name and then everybody knew Andrew's name. And those would be the equivalent to, Pache and uh, you know what's going on right now with Ronald that that was kind of our guys and so everybody knew it because they were talking about them and then we would see them in spring training because they would come in and you always had a, a group of young guys that were there for the first couple weeks of we got to see them but it was very clear to, as a player because you had played at the highest level you saw talent you know you were pitching against Barry Bonds and you were you were uh, you saw. Kurt Schilling throw. So you knew what super talent looked like. And then all of a sudden you'd see these sparks and these young guys like Chipper and Andrew and Javi, and you would just say, yeah, they got it. You know, now whether or not they put it together at the big league level, but they had everything. But there again, for every Chipper, there was probably four or five other guys that were talented that couldn't put it together. Mm-hmm. For every, um, you know, Mark Wallers, because Mark's story is pretty interesting too. Uh, Mark was a guy that was, uh, they had pitching and throwing as a starting pitcher. He was throwing about 88 miles an hour and just was very average. But he was young, but he, you know, a big, tall guy. I think Mark's 6'5 and um, pretty big kid, but he was just average. And then all of a sudden, they made him into a reliever. And now they tweak him a little bit, and he starts throwing 100. But back then, he was throwing a legitimate 100 on the ray gun. You know, now they got the carnival guns. And uh, back then, we had what was called the ray, which means it was always five miles an hour slower because it, it, it took the ball and it calculated the speed when it crossed the plate. Everything nowadays is out of the hand. And then they juice it up a little bit because everybody wants to see the speed. And that started happening in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, where people converted over to what was called the jugs gun, which was always four to five miles an hour faster. But Mark threw 100 on no matter what gun you put out there. And um, and so that was an unbelievable story that he all of a sudden an A ball goes from 85, 88 to 100. And then he just kind of starts working his way up to the big leagues, but then he had to control it. And then he developed a split and a slider. So, but when you saw those guys, you just went, yep, they're, they're different. And it was pretty fun to watch. And you knew it was a matter of time, but there again, talent's only one aspect of it. I mean, there's so much about persevering through injury. There's persevering through going up and down and the mental aspect of trying to compete at different levels. Then there's opportunity then there's just staying healthy. Um, and, and then it's about this, can you have sustained success? So it, even though we saw guys all the time with the talent, you would have to see, could they, could they take that talent and, and work through those other 
four or five aspects of things that would make you an established big leaguer. And they always said, hey, it's easy to get there. It's harder to stay. And there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, look at it. We've had Newcomb, Fultonovich, all these guys for years go up and down. And they just, for whatever reason, can't. they have some good times and bad times, and they just can't solidify their spot for good. And it's just hard. You know, it's just a hard thing. And, um, and it just it takes a lot of different things besides just talent for you to have a long career, a good career. Sure. Hey, we're almost halfway through the season already. And as of right now, as of the day we're taping this, the Braves are in first place. So let's get let's let's stay there. Let's stay healthy. And uh, it should be a fun rest of uh, rest of the 2020 season. So. All right. Well, we uh, we've got some fun things planned for you coming up in, in the weeks to come with Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed. Looking forward to bringing that to you. And as always, thank you for listening. Uh, our thanks again to Scott Bowden for joining us today, and for Greg McMichael. I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Hey, Braves country, we just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Behind the Braves.